sees anyone walking out it's not because of me it's that they just can't handle it all right let's pray guys father god we honor you and welcome you here today as always god lord amidst the the heat and perhaps some people not quite hearing every word i say father i pray that holy spirit you will minister to each and every person here just where they're at god just bring life and truth today father in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so I'm actually talking about talking around a very weighty, heavy topic today. Um, it was not easy to put together at all. It was the hardest one, actually. And I don't imagine it's going to be any less, any easier to bring to you now, but I'm going to push through as much as possible because it is, it is a huge message and um, I'm, I'm hoping not to complicate it for you. Um, but yeah, we'll see how we go. I'll just do my best. I believe if Satan could choose one message that you couldn't hear in your lifetime, it would be this one. It would at least be in the top three. So it comes with, obviously, it's coming with some opposition. But we are. So it's for these reasons, I'm going to share with you a bit before just a basic summary about what my heart is to get across today. It's for two groups of people. First group, those of us who are Christians, who are born again and know Jesus. Um, My heart is that through this message, we will get a greater or a deeper revelation of eternity, heaven and hell, and an urgency, a healthy, balanced urgency, not a weird urgency. For the, those of us in our sphere of influence that are yet to know Jesus yeah. and are yet to be saved. Um, that's for us Christians. And so I don't speak Christianese the whole time. Saved means for those that may be listening to this later or here now that aren't aware, that just means you haven't received Jesus yet as Lord and Saviour. Yeah, so, um, and so for, for those people who aren't yet Christians, my heart is that you hear today it's, it is, it's a hard message but the, the facts are when, when we pass away there's one of two places that we will go and I'm here to tell you today and share with you today that you do not have to go to hell mm-hmm. it's actually quite easy for you not to go to hell mm-hmm. but too many people are dying and going to hell yeah. and and Jesus has done everything that needs to take place to happen for that not to be the case. We just need to respond. Yeah. It's a free will response. Yeah. Some people don't preach free will, but it, it actually is. We do have to say yes or no. Yeah. Everything's been done, but we need to respond. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have an opportunity if you wanted to at the end of today for, for that to happen. So just a quick brief summary. 
We're going to read and look closer at each verse of the passage that I'll be sharing from today. We're going to have a thought and a testimony quickly. I'm going to speak about an eternal revelation, um, tips and encouragement for our witness. I'm going to talk to the unsaved for a few moments. And I'm sorry, but there's a tiny splash of politics in it. Sorry. But, hey, what better to, to have coffee and talk about politics and religion? <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? All right. Go, Mandy. I won't be too hectic. I won't be hectic, I promise. I promise. All right. So, the scripture today is from Luke chapter 16, and it's verses 19 to 31, and I'm reading from the NIV. And it's, um, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. It's the rich man and Lazarus. What book? NIV. Luke. Sorry. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> Come on, Liz. All right. Oh, yeah. And how's how Liz and Mark are here today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw them coming and I'm like, I renounce my faith. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Taking notes. <laughs> and in the front row. And in the front row. What else? Come on, what else? Give it to me. (laughs) All right, we're only through the first page. Only nine to go. All right. So the scripture is, and listen carefully to the scripture, guys. I didn't mean to look at you then, Eb, when I said that. I just looked at you. I didn't mean, I didn't mean. (laughs) This portion of scripture has a million things in it. It's only 11, 11 verses. But oh my gosh, while studying this to to bring this message today, it's huge. And I'd be interested, I'm not going to ask after, but I'd be interested later maybe just to see what actually you think this scripture is about, what spoke to you the the loudest. Anyway, okay, so here's the scripture. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will also not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The evangelist part in me 
goes straightly to verses 26, 27 about the chasm and once left this earth, there's nothing that can be done to, to, to repent or to change the situation. In fact, if I'm honest, that's, that's what I thought this scripture was about. Um, so when I saw my name on the roster again, I thought, oh, I love that. I'm going to study and do that. And the more I did study that, I realised there's actually less and less what that's about. It is what that's about, but it's not the central theme. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to go through it a little slower, but before we do, here's my two bobs worth. <laughs> um, I don't believe this is a parable. <laughs> Just in case someone wanted to throw something at me. You might. You might um, believe it's a parable. The only reason I say it is because when I was studying for it, it was just the hugest thing. Like, this is not a parable. This is a parable. This is definitely a parable. There is no way this is a parable. I'm like, God, what is it? Like, what is, is it a parable? I never, to be honest, I never ever thought it was, even when I first started studying it. Um, you make up your own mind. It, do, it doesn't matter. If two people, one thinks it is and one thinks it's, it, it isn't, it's not going to keep you from heaven. It's not... A, a salvation type thing it's just one of those things hey it's yeah. um one of the mysteries i guess of god i don't know maybe someone knows that it's definitely something or definitely not but this is my reasoning for it anyway um in no parable does jesus ever use a name and in here we have lazarus which isn't the raised from the dead lazarus just in case you're wondering we also have abraham like mm. abraham was he was the man like he, he was a real person I think it's an actual narrative with real, with real people. But anyway, um, interestingly, also, and Nancy said maybe, maybe don't say this, but <laughs> Nancy's not here. <laughs> and we don't have SoundCloud. No, no, no. <laughs> Nancy's an elder and a good friend. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway, but I'm going to say that she did bring some stuff that again it won't keep you out of heaven so you might as well we'll just hear it anyway okay so we've got in Luke 15 we've got the parable of the lost sheep the parable of the lost coin the parable of the lost son then in chapter 16 we've got the parable of the shrewd manager now to me that's where I thought it ended for parables because the next heading is additional teachings and then under additional teachings it has things like the law of the kingdom of God divorce and marriage and then here in verse 19 we've got the rich man and Lazarus so it's not till Luke 18 where we see another parable, which is the parable of the persistent widow. But Nancy did say that apparently headings were written in the 16th century. Like, how did I miss that? <laughs> um, so maybe they, added the par- maybe they added it, didn't add it as a parable. I don't know. Some people, though, in saying all of that, you're probably like, well, why did you bang on about it? Some people believe that it's important to know if it's a parable or not. So I guess that's theologians and there's, there's more to it. So, you know, I'm talking to a whole wide variety of people here, so I thought I'd mention it anyway. I personally believe we have a true account, a warning. Yeah. Jesus talks a lot about hell in the Bible. Yeah. Some people say 160 times. I mean, you can look it up if, you know, and Jesus preached on hell 30 times. Now, in a ministry of, what, 30 years? Sorry, three years. He preached a sermon about... Yeah, thank you. I've got Mark here. That's so good. He would have actually preached on hell once a month in his church. Some people wouldn't have really wanted to go to his church. 
All right. So, going through the passage a bit slower, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Um, so here we see he was a rich man. He was dressed in purple. Um, back in the day, if you had purple, means nothing now. But if you had purple, you were royalty because only royalty could afford purple clothing because apparently it took a million of these sea snail type things to extract the ink, which was... Yeah, so you got like a smidgen from each of these sea snails to, to have dye. So apparently I did read somewhere that this dude had purple undies as well. Wow. I know. So he's rich. So trying to get across that he's, he is rich, fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. He was very wealthy. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich or living well. That is not what this passage is about. It's, again, it's not the central theme. The rich man didn't end up in hell because he was rich. He was there due to his failure to repent on the earth. Perhaps his wealth was a stumbling block. Perhaps money, you know, he wasn't doing the right thing with his money, obviously. That's why God gives us things to do, guidelines to obey with our money, and it's for a reason. I don't think he was doing this. 21. Sorry, 20. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. I'm not sure of how long Lazarus lay at his door, at the gate, but I'd say it would be a while, long enough for the rich man to know his name. I wonder how many times the rich man walked over him and walked past him, just blatantly ignoring his plight. Uh, 21... Uh, and, and the dogs. Sorry, I've lost where I'm up to. Oh, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table and even the dogs came to lick his sores. Even the dogs, which weren't man's best friend back in the day, apparently Palestinian feral dogs were just that. They were pretty feral, but even they were coming to help Lazarus and medicate his sores. Um, I'm trying to go through it pretty quickly because it is long and... Um, it's, I don't want you to be uncomfortable for too long. 21, 22. Okay. 23. Sorry, can I just have a sec? The time yeah, came when the beggar died. Okay. 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man died also. So both men died. Lazarus was, as it says, carried by the angels straight to Abraham's bosom. Abraham sighed, some people say, immediate bliss at the moment of physical death. And that's pre-Jesus. Now it's to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. His body, however, was probably dumped in some dumping ground somewhere. This is Lazarus. The rich man died also. So, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So the rich man was not in a place of bliss. He, in fact, was in hell. 
And for whatever reason, this reason, he was able to see Abraham far off comforting Lazarus. Imagine the Pharisees knowing this. Imagine the people hearing this being preached. A beggar in Abraham's bosom. A rich man in in, in, um, hell. 24. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. What a contrast here. I'm sure Lazarus would have appreciated a little compassion when he was laying at his gate all that time and now he's just calling out for Lazarus to come and to meet his need. I wonder if the rich man even thought of this. Maybe not yet. And how's how he's throwing around orders from hell? (laughs) I like how Lazarus doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word through this whole thing. But Abraham replied to the rich man, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Very matter-of-fact response, isn't it? It's like, yes or no, would have done, but thank you for really explaining that and reminding me of that. But what Abraham said was actually to say justice, that that was justice, and he needed to speak that out. I think the rich man was beginning to understand this. Interesting point, though, um, he still calls Abraham father, and Abraham still calls him son. You know, that, that, that was sad to me. It was sad because he didn't need to be there. Okay, um, 26. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And here's the verse that speaks of that eternal destination that once left this earth cannot be changed. It's final. And for those who rejected Jesus, it's terrible. The great chasm. Lazarus couldn't take water to the rich man, even if he wanted to. Um, I guess I, I felt when I was writing this out, and I'll probably say it now, you know, we can think about people we've lost, even recently or over the years, and we didn't know for a fact, you know, that they were saved or whatever. I'm just going to ask that, you know, don't, if possible, don't concern yourself too much about that at the moment. Um, we don't know what someone's last thoughts and words were to God. We really don't. And, you know, it's in the Bible that we're going to be very surprised who we see in heaven. And so don't, don't let this be a downer thing. Um, also, because no matter where our loved ones are, they are cheering you on right now. They are. They are cheering you on to acknowledge Jesus because they know that the only time you have is while you're on earth. So, okay, so this is where I'm going to... I'm just going to go off a little bit from... I'll get back to the last few verses. But um, So verse 26, this is why... And I'm, I'm not... I'm 100% I'm not going to get too political at all. But this is why I couldn't be in favour of euthanasia. It's not because I'm closer to the right than some of you may like. It's actually... 
It's because while there's life, there's hope. Now, I say euthanasia only because I was meant to do this message in December and I was on the lounge and Victoria, the pagan state, sorry, had just... (laughs) (laughs) ..had just passed a bill and I was watching it and I was like, oh, okay, I'm not, I don't know it, I don't know the policies and everything and I'm not pretending to but I just thought, oh, how many people will die not knowing Jesus? You know, so that's, um, yeah, while there's life, there's hope. Secular doctors, Christian doctors apparently, activists, some Christians even, they don't know this. They don't realise that once they end a person's earthly pain, eternity begins. Uh, Sorry, anguish begins for an eternity. Doctors wouldn't do it if they knew. Patients wouldn't want it if they knew. And they would do, the patient would do anything to get their earthly pain back, even for five minutes, that they can repent and get their their, their temporal earthly pain back. Imagine if Lazarus gave up in all of his pain and anguish before he put his faith in God. Mm. We wouldn't have this warning, or we would, but it would be from someone else. Mm. Also, and I'm not making light of anyone either in in a... a state that's really dire. I'm not, again, I'm not pretending to know, but there were no nurses upping his pain dosage, Lazarus's, Mm -hmm. just dogs licking his wounds to help medicate them. Mm -hmm. If we were to live 100 years on earth in pain, which we're not going to, it's nothing in light of eternity. In fact, God calls life here yet a vapour. We need to try and endure well in the earth and while there's life, there's hope. And I know there's many details that come with all of that and it's complex. But at the end of the day, only while there's life, there's hope. So Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And that's opposite for the other. Just quickly share one quick testimony because um, the euthanasia, that's, this is not about euthanasia, but it's similar. Um, so I had a friend a couple of years ago, her mum was fine, but she got pneumonia, got complications, it went from bad to worse really quickly. Um, I'd asked, can I come up and speak to your mum? Like she couldn't, you know, she was on life support and they'd made a decision to turn off her life support in a, in a day or two. And I said, can I come up and talk to your mum and pray with her? And this is a good friend of mine and she said, yeah which was good because they'd said no, the nurses and doctors were asking did they want the chaplains to come and um, she said no because none of them are Christians, not one of them is a Christian in that family yet. But she said, yeah, I could come up. So um, I had people praying, I was praying, I went up. Um, The doctor said she can hear, she can hear you. I'm like, okay. So I only spent a few minutes just, actually Eddie and I had spent some time with this family a few years prior to which they politely sort of said no thanks which was fine that's their decision so and again I didn't know if she was saved or not I wasn't going up there going I'm gonna save the day she she could have made a decision for Jesus and I just didn't know about it but I didn't know the other way either so I went up I just had a little chat to her I had my hand on hers the whole time Um, just told her about Jesus and what he'd done for her and that you know she could make a decision even now she didn't have to raise a hand she could just in her mind and her heart Receive Jesus. So I went through the sinner's prayer and my friend was sitting behind me just like bawling her eyes out. 
Um, and anyway, we'd finished it, and I'd said amen and whatnot. And like the weirdest thing, I just had my hand on hers, and there was just this immense pressure of her pushing her hand up. Like, I, I, I couldn't explain it. I just thought, oh, that's weird. Anyway, and I, I thought about it again the other day when I was writing this. Sorry, the other month. I couldn't do it the other day. <laughs> um, oh, and as I got up to walk out of the hospital room, just from, from God, because it, it didn't come from anywhere else, I just felt this overwhelming sense to tell her that she was a good mum. And it was, yeah, it was bizarre. And I just, so I turned back around, I said, you were a really good mum. And then like my friends lost it. And, and she, she was a good mum, but I don't think everyone thought, you know, she, she, we all have our failures. And I think perhaps maybe she took that. And God just wanted her to know in that moment, no, you were a good mum. And um, so like, that's it, I left it, and what a privilege to, to have been able to do that. Yeah. But then when I was writing this and thought, I'll share that, I thought, oh, imagine if, imagine if that was her trying to raise a hand. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, I'll accept Jesus. I don't know. It's probably not. It could be. Whatever. But we'll find out in heaven. But you know what? What if I saw her there? What if she's there just because of that? Yeah. And what if, what if she wouldn't have been? Like, that's right. We don't know. And that's why. I mean, I'm passionate anyway about seeing people saved and set free but I think I actually do think we're in a time where we need to tell them you know we need to tell them we need to do it in a good way but we need to tell them all right so we've got a few more um verses left 27 so 26 was and besides all this between you and I is a great chasm 27 he answered the rich man is answering then I beg you father Send Lazarus to my family up on the earth, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they also don't come to this place of torment. Mm. So he's answering back, still trying to order Lazarus around from hell. 28. Abraham replies, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Uh, So 28, he was expecting Abraham to send Lazarus, so I'm really struggling with these verses, I can't wait to finish them. Um, the brothers, yeah, expecting Abraham to send Lazarus to his father's house to warn his brothers of their pending fate should they yeah. remain unrepentant. All right. Abraham replies, they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. answers back again so Abraham pretty much tells him no answers back again no and says to Abraham what he thinks will work and this seems pretty legit I think I thought you would think if someone rose from the dead and gave a warning you would just believe I'm like that's that's cool to ask I would I would ask that as well but this scripture just, it really just digs in that that's not going to be the case. Oh, just, just a, no, doesn't matter that one. So he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And here is actually what is what the passage is all about the main point of the passage now 
I'm actually, you can read my notes, I'm not just making this up because he's here. I reference Mark Ewans. Because <laughs> when I decided to do this, and then I studied it and thought, this is not what I thought it was about, how can I do this now, oh my gosh, I said, Mark, what the heck is Luke 16, 19 to 31, in a nutshell, in a, in a sentence, what is it, what is it all about? And he said, and so I don't plagiarise, Israel hasn't listened to the prophets and they wouldn't believe even when Jesus was resurrected. Listen carefully. Jesus, as it's all in red, makes that point quite clearly to the rich man in verses 31. Roughly four weeks, definitely seven chapters, prior to his very own death and resurrection. He said it before he was crucified and now it's here for us all to read and know. Israel, God's chosen people, didn't and most still haven't listened to the prophets just like the rich man hadn't, but Lazarus had. They didn't believe, even after Jesus was raised from the dead. Hence Abraham saying to the rich man back in verse 31, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if someone rises from the dead. Just like the Israelites won't believe, even after the biggest comeback from the dead ever, nor would the rich man's five brothers. God knows this. Abraham knew it. The rich man now knows it. And it's in the living word of God that we might know it. We don't have to experience this. It's there for us to read. May we have faith and believe. This word of God that is the same yesterday, today and forever. bit harsh here, but only a fool says there's no God. Only a fool says there's no God. Okay, so now a lot of people, a lot of preachers will start talking about hell and give scriptures and I don't know, testimonies of some people that have gone there and come back and whatnot. And that's cool. That's, I, I think that's a good way to go. Um, I didn't go that way. I'm kind of glad because it's January and I didn't know how many kids would be here. There's probably none, but I don't think I need to convince you how bad hell is. Somewhere you wouldn't want to spend five seconds, let alone eternity. But if you do, just read Revelation or what is it, Luke three twenty-eight, where he talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, it's not good and we don't need to go there and we don't have to go there. All right, so now I'm going to talk on an eternal revelation. So what is an eternal revelation? Pretty much you turn the words around. It's a revelation of eternity. And in the dictionary, a revelation is something revealed or disclosed, especially a striking disclosure as of something not before realised. I kind of compare an eternal revelation or any revelation for that matter to the baptism of the Holy Spirit or like a lifting of the veil, I don't know, or like a power injection. It just brings it alive. Like you may believe in hell, but to actually get a revelation of eternity is better still. So do you think you have an eternal revelation? I didn't always. I think I was saved about seven years before I caught wind of all of this. And I'm glad that I investigated it and, and asked for it. Again, at the end of the service today, if you would like prayer for that. Three good reasons to desire a revelation of eternity. Will we gain a reality of heaven, hell and eternity? Do you know that there's even Christians that don't believe in a literal hell? Yeah. Literally heaps. They've done surveys and all this sort of stuff. 
And um, I, I just think, what then did Jesus die to save us from? Yeah. I, I don't understand that. How you could not believe in hell. You can't pick and choose. If you don't believe in hell, then you really can't believe in heaven because it's in the same word of God. Yeah, but anyway, that's, that's for their revelation. And if you do believe in hell and heaven and eternity, then that's great. But yeah, like I said, to, to receive it by revelation um, is, is better still. Number two, when we get this, it awakens something in us to want to love better to want to be a better example. And to be a better example, we need to be a better us. And so that urges us and causes us to pray things that we never wanted to pray. Remember, Lord, change me. No, Lord, change my husband. Lord, change my kids. (coughs) That that I mean. No, I don't. I don't. 100% I don't mean that. It causes us to say, Lord, change me. Work in me. Prune me. Make me more like you, that I can show you better. Like, less of me, more of you. A revelation of something will cause us to do whatever it takes to change and to grow more and more like Jesus. Number three, our friends and family and humanity will benefit from it. They really will. Like in verse 31, our family and friends that we are praying and believing for quite possibly won't be persuaded by a miracle. Some might, but it won't be lasting. Because the birth, death, resurrection, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical documented fact. And it's everywhere to be read. Sorry, I keep losing my spot. Um, And we, still here today, 2,000 years on, we're singing and praising and giving of our money and tithing. You know, we're doing all these things, but are they believing? Do they even know why this historical place took vent, this historical event took place? And do they know it was for them and there's a response involved? Like I said earlier, it's time to tell them. It's easier than you think, I promise. You'll be surprised. Pray for the opportunity when it arises, which it will. Just lean in gently. The power of God, the power of the word will change them. Will cha- will will help anyway. So tips, we are getting there, slowly. Okay, so we tell them mostly by showing them. We show them by our changed lives. Our joy, our peace. We were talking about this this morning in pre-service prayer. How we respond when a situation that could cripple some people. You know, God is our anchor and, you know, people are watching and people are seeing this. I don't believe it's ever been easier to differ from the world than it is today. Yeah. Honestly, it's nuts out there. Yeah. Yeah. We are naturally to stand out, to shine. If we're doing what the Bible says and becoming a lot more and more like Jesus, it's sad to say, and this is not a condemnation thing at all, but too many people, Christians, are not standing out. They're blending in mm-hmm. to the world. Many aren't, but many are. Um, so in Romans 12:22, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, here's where I might lose a few friends and get a bit political. 
I'll try and cover it both ways. We today, and especially over the last 10, 20 years, we, I read this scripture anyway. Sometimes I think, and I read this scripture this way. And do not be conformed, intimidated, bullied or silenced by the progressive left or the right, the other way, the extreme right. This is what's happening. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what's cool? You know what stood out to me big time when I was reading this scripture that I've read a million times? That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We don't even need to prove it and try and um, fight and battle and you know have conversations to and fro. We just need to be transforming our mind and becoming more and more like Jesus. Also, if we're doing what this scripture says, we're less likely to slowly become humanistic and to allow a veil of deception that very slowly starts to emerge and we don't even realise. Now, I don't want to get muddled up. This is different to in 1 Corinthians 9.22 where it says, you know, to the weak I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people so that by... All possible means I may save some. That's not what I mean. Obviously, this is good and we're supposed to do that. I agree with that. But it's different to conforming. It's different to staying there and letting it become who we are. We can jump into a situation where needed to, to empathise and to be on, on a level where they, the person that we're talking with can feel our understanding, etc. But it shouldn't be who we become. And we need to be careful. Okay, one last thing and then I'm off this topic. It does blow me away though when I learn of some Christians and not just baby Christians, Christians in leadership and stuff that have certain viewpoints, political or not, on certain things that are in total opposition to the word of God. I don't know what that's all about. And I know, Sarah, you posted on Facebook the other day about um, showing grace and people are all at different places and, you know, and that is... That is true as well. Thank goodness people were patient with me 20 years ago when I was first saved because I was, I was weird. <laughs> I was. Still weird. Thanks. I heard that. <laughs> All right, nearly done. Encouragement for our witness because that was a bit. Always remember that it's the presence of God in us that awakens the eternity that is already planted right. in everyone. Okay? Yeah, I learned that at college. Mandy quote. No, it's college quote. I should have paraphrased it. Sorry, claim it. <laughs> but how good is that? Like, pressure's off, really, to a degree. Because we want the presence of God in us, which is sweet no matter what, but by the time it's filtered through our junk, we want it still to be good. So that's why we need to work constantly in ourselves. Um... Yeah. Also, it's the power of the simple word of God. I don't mean the word of God simple. I mean simply <laughs> it's the word of God. Yeah. It is. We need to believe that. We need to know that when we speak the word of God, it is powerful. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it's enough. Um, prayer is key. So is our generosity, our genuine love and concern. Again, though, our prayers, are they... Powerful? Are they heard? There is a scripture about that. And are they full of faith? 
faith is the currency of heaven. I don't know if you know that. And to me, that is super cool. You know, like I think of when I buy something and I hand over money and they hand that. That's, that's kind of like the currency of heaven. We hand over our prayers, add faith to it, and it's just awesome. Faith is the currency of heaven. Very cool. All right. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not our judgment. It is, in fact, that, that, will, that will turn people off so much. We need to let go of that and never take it back. Lastly, may I encourage us all here today. I really, and I really got this from God. <laughs> the rest I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I was sitting there and I really, I really felt that this was a download that I'd prayed for. Don't concern yourself too much with what it looks like around us. Some places it does look like Sodom and Gomorrah, but that is a front. It is. It's a front for the yearning for truth on the inside of every individual. You've got to believe that. Don't be discouraged. Even the loudest agnostic has quiet moments at home when they're alone with that eternity that's in them. Like it or not, it's in them. Hey, how good we can pray into that. It's only been the past 50 to 70 years that we've come so far from the reality of God in our schools, courtrooms, you know, everywhere. People opened the Bible. They started with the Lord's Prayer. It's only rapidly declined over these last years. But I'm believing that that's slowly changing. may not be back in the schools or anything, but in people themselves. It's changing. Don't, Don't give up, hey. They're watching. They have eternity in their hearts. We're praying. I just believe we're in a really exciting season. So don't think your family member that you've been praying for for maybe 20 years. It's like, they're just not going to come. They're just going to be one that doesn't end up there. Keep going. I believe the church, who are the believers, are um, advancing, not diminishing. All right, this is the last page. um, And I'm going to address our unsaved friends here and if it gets to SoundCloud I don't even know if it will now we'll see so if you're sitting here today or listening and you are not saved I'm talking to you now for the sake of your soul and for other souls that you were actually predestined to reach now if you're not saved you're not reaching those that you were predestined to reach and these could be family members friends So here is actually the most important question you'll ever be asked, and I know this for a fact. Are you saved? You are sitting there and you are listening to me. Are you saved? The question isn't, did you grow up in a Christian family? The question isn't, I was christened as a baby. I was an altar boy for seven years. I go to church at Christmas and Easter. The actual question is simply, are you saved? If you are not or you don't know, then I beg you today, really consider this. Consider it. You know, people study things for so long. They study for years to find something out. Do you know how many atheists have become born again because they studied the Word of God? Yeah. Sorry, agnostics. Studied the Word of God, trying to pull it apart and find fault. Your eternity is worth studying. <laughs> Give it some time. God, God says if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Your eternity, where you will spend that eternity is way too important to just not bother to look into it any further. Um, 
So I, I love people enough to be so blunt. I'd rather push people's buttons a little here yeah. on earth while there's hope yeah. than have perhaps and hopefully not people look up like the, like the rich man or the not so rich man now look up and go, I knew Mandy. She went to church. She was a Christian. Why the heck didn't she tell me about this place? Yeah, that's right. I don't want that. So I'd rather lose a few friends. And I almost did last night on Facebook, but it actually was a good thing. It, I, I believe it stirred a few things. I don't mind because I don't want people looking up and going, why didn't she tell me? Maybe there, maybe there will be some people there, and I have told them because I have shared many times, but may that not be you. You listening to my voice now and over SoundCloud, don't let it be you. Okay, and I'm ending with this. Um, Joyce Meyer, one of my favourite preachers, she says, so say she's talking to a friend and the friend's not saved and they're having this debate or whatever. Joyce goes, okay, well, if you're right and we get to the end of this world, the end of this life, and there's nothing, I really haven't lost anything, but if you're wrong, you've lost everything. Okay, so may all of this stark reality urge each one of us to partner with God making changes wherever needed so that we may draw people to him and free from the clutches of Satan and hell. Amen. Amen. What do you want to do, Josh? I just want to thank everyone too. I meant to do that at the beginning. Thank you for being in church this morning and thank you for listening to this message. Thanks, Mandy. That was awesome. Um, may we, for those who have faith, never be so naive to forget about hell and the reality of hell.